Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast. And today I've got a lovely gentleman I'm to quite admire. Uh, Introducing to you, uh, Paul Aiken. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Stuart. Thank you. Good to be with you. It's. um, I don't know whether Jane's built. I've had Jane on the podcast. Yes. And she's. I don't know if she's built it up too much. (laughs) 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 She said you've got to talk to Paul because he's got a great backstory. So I think before we talk about everything else, perhaps you can take me back to uh, that and, and let me know that. Okay, mate. Yeah, yeah. About how, how I got involved with all the homeless work and all that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No problem. Uh, around about 19... 1990, uh, I think it all really kicked off then. Uh, I, I, I got married really, early, really young and then it was all going pear-shaped, if you know what I mean, and stuff. Having real problems. Uh, and then my dad suddenly died, just out of the blue. Uh, it was really funny because I was my dad's boss at work, and he was a boss at home, if you know what I mean. So he used to say to me on a Friday, just remember the roles were reversed this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite funny, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can relate to that. My, my dad was uh, an army man, and he was from Scot- he's Scottish. Yeah, yeah. When I was young, he, he used to say, if you don't like it, pack your kit bag and fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like they come well, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Old school, you know, old school. I think we miss that today, don't we, really? Yeah. But anyway, it was just like, and then my marriage had broken, but I lost my dad. Uh, I was in a really bad place. I ended up on the street myself, not for a long period of time, but for a short period of time. Uh and I come from a Christian background, which is which is how I got a lot of help, really, through the church. Uh, I was really, really in a bad place. I was, I was contemplating suicide, to be honest, because I just couldn't take much more. I was really, really rock bottom. Uh, you know, I couldn't see my daughter. You know, access was shut off to her because my, my previous wife, had, she'd gone off with somebody else. and It was, it was just a horrible, horrible time. Uh, and my church that I was at at the time, Riverside, uh, were brilliant. I mean, they really sort of came alongside me. I had 
four or five really close friends that literally put me up and picked me up and pushed me down. You know, and I was a nasty piece of work at times. Do you know what I mean? You know, because all the frustration and all the anger would come out. You, you, do you understand where I'm coming from? And it's just like Definitely. they were getting the brunt of my frustrations, to be honest. Uh, but they, they were brilliant. They were really, really good. And then in 1996, my sister died suddenly. And so that was another kick in the head, if you know what I mean. And, and, and you just thought, well, what, how much more can I take, really? She left three young children. I mean, the oldest at the time was about nine. It was it was just a really, really, really tough time. Uh, and then in uh, and all I can explain is in New Year's Eve 1996, I really felt that God had spoken to me about he would restore me so I would see other people restored. Now, people don't get that if they're not Christians or anything. But for me, that was a real crumb of comfort. I mean, I still had all my problems. I still was working through all my issues. But it gave me hope. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It gave me a sense of, actually, it could get better, but it might take time to get there. And that's how it kicked off for me, really. So, you know, and then in 1990, the end of 96, I got involved with a few couple of guys uh, that were sleeping on the street and, and got to know them a little bit. And and one of the guys I got to know really well, but he, he was sort of semi-homeless, if you know what I mean. He was living in a, a horrible flat uh, and couldn't really cope in it. So he would spend a couple of nights on the streets with his mates and a couple of nights in his flat. Hence the reason he, he was in a really bad place because the sewage system in the flat was just awful. It was a, it was a horrible smell every time he went in there. Uh, but to cut a long story short, I helped him get a, a ground floor flat because, you know, this lad had slight learning differences and things like that. So I, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I've got a bit of ed- education behind me and, and managed to write a letter to the local council, went with him. And, and he said to me, you ought to do this full time, you know, you're really good at this. But I just think, you know, it wasn't the right time. But, but that was the catalyst to get me going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, she didn't overbuild it. Very <laughs> strong stuff. I, to be honest, it really resonated with me. Yeah, because you know, I like had a similar thing. Um, like I'm, I'm 14 years sober, and it just was slightly different because my, um, like my dad passed away. I was only about nine months sober when he passed. Well, luckily enough, I had enough in me at that point to hang on to it. And I, I, I reached out to the people around me who were supporting me. Yeah. So, yeah. And that thing of, you said about God's folks here. Yeah. It's, um, I've seen it so much in different faiths, you know, yeah. like, you know, whether you be, whether you be Christian or, or, you know, or Muslim or Sikh or all these things. Is people coming together through their faith, helping helping other people? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's a strong thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it, it, it changed my life. I'll be honest; it, it totally changed. I mean, for me, Jesus changed my life. There was no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, I, it, it was. You know, my mates will tell you. At the time, I wasn't a nice guy. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was, you know. I wanted to be a professional footballer and all this kind of thing, mm. you know. I, I weren't a bad player, to be honest. Uh, 
But you know something, Stuart? You have to go through these things because I think it builds your character and it builds you up as a person and it changes your perspective on life as well mm. in somewhat. You know, it makes you appreciate what you've got. Mm. Uh, you know, now I, you know, I've got a fantastic wife. You know, I've got a, a you know, you've seen the centre and what we do here. Mm. I mean, that's a testing in itself, really. But you know, it's just been phenomenal, really. I, th- I think it's it's an amazing thing because even though you had that crossroads in your life, yeah, I had one as well, yeah. Um, but it's very easy if you don't. It's all about action, you know. Yeah. If you don't do something about it very quickly, you quickly go back off onto the other road. Yeah, yeah, and that's easily done. Mm. You know, even though I was a Christian at the time. There were times when I, I would slip back. There were times when I would, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because you're battling with your emotions all the time. You're battling with the the inner the inner man within you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You would know this being an ex-alcoholic. The temptations always are there. Yeah. At some point. It's always there. Well, I'm still, it's yeah. How you deal with it, it's how you deal with it, isn't it? You know what yeah. I'm saying? And you have to make a conscious decision. To say I ain't going to go, go back there. That ain't happening no more. <laughs> but it's not easy. Mm. It's, it's like simple. it's like putting on the boxing gloves and taking them off again, isn't it? <laughs> it's very. It is. I say, but it's really simple. Yeah. But very hard. You know. That's yeah. the thing. And and your brain, my brain, will tell me yeah. different things. You know, it will say to me, "Yeah, but you're all right." Yeah. So my experience then comes in to go. Well, no, you're not. No, no. By no. by going out to places like yours, yeah. Um, I think that's that's what helps with Miami. Yeah, I, I'm not okay. Yeah, and you, and you see the damage. I mean, in the work that we do, and, and you know, you do see the damage that alcohol causes as well, and it, and it's heartbreaking really because you know. It just destroys people's lives. Not only that, it destroys their home life and their family life as well. And I think that's a heartbreaking thing that they feel like I can't put things right now because I'm so far down the line. You know, and that's that's the biggest battle, you know, that we face with a lot of the guys really. That they just think that I can't change. Even if I do change, what are my family gonna say? What you know? Mm-hmm. This is sense of shame, isn't there? Yeah. You know, and you would know that it's, it's, it's probably is better than I do, really. But there's a real sense of shame in it all. It, it it becomes a point where you don't really think you actually deserve anything more. No, no, no. But that's not the that's not the reality, though, is it? Really, you know, you find that out if you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a, there's always a better. But people have to make a decision to change and, and want to change. Mm. You know, the old the old saying is, lead a horse to water, <laughs> but you can't make it drink. No. He's got to drink, he's got to drink that water itself. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm. Yeah. I've yeah. seen that so many times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I love the work. I love what I do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I really so enjoy it. How did City Road start then? What, what, tell me, tell me uh, well, I've been doing homeless work now in Birmingham for 25 years next year. Oh, so, okay. yeah, so, but I did it in voluntary capacity to start with. 
And then after about six or seven years of going out onto the streets and teas and coffees. Now, when I first did it, Stuart, there was nobody else doing it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It wasn't the one thing. It wasn't the, you know, the thing to do. And the, the amount of stick I used to get off general public, how you get a proper job, you know what I mean? You know, all this kind of thing. Uh, but what changed for me was I would see these guys going around a circle all the time. So they would be going from different hostels, in and out, in and out. And nobody's coming alongside them at street level. And and I really felt that as a Christian, what am I actually doing? Am I up, helping to maintain them in their lifestyle? Or do I want to get alongside them more to enable them to try and move out of that circle of lifestyle to, to go on to better things? And so I was really battling with it. And then, you know, one of the lads said to me, he started calling me Pastor Paul on the street. That was my name, Pastor Paul. Here comes Pastor Paul, you know what I mean? And it just resonated. I just built this rapport with the guys. One, I had their respect. Because you have to earn respect of people. You don't just get it. You have to earn it. And two, you have to, and it, takes a, it takes a bit of a, a time to gain that respect. And so it's about commitment to get along to other people. So we, me and Jackie got married, and then we were in a small church called Church Alive in Birmingham which was only a small church, but they had like a converted bungalow, uh, which is a little shower room and, and, you know, a little kitchenette area and stuff. And I, and I said to him, is there any chance we can use that on a Friday? Just because just I shared what I wanted to do. Oh, yeah, Paul. I'm not joking, Stu. It was brilliant, honestly, because we had about 20 guys coming in that started to build relationship with him, but get alongside and do deeper stuff with them and it was just fantastic because you know you were you were building stuff with them we started a little heart class there we started sorting out benefits and, and stuff like that and it just grew from there but it wasn't long before it became a problem you imagine one toilet room and one shower room in the same room and we've got one guy that's in there for four hours i'm not joking You've got guys knocking on the door, you know, saying, come on, I'm, you know, I'm dying for it. You know, you know what, you know, and all this is going on. You know, it, it was just chaos, absolute chaos. And so we went into a, a, another partnership with another Christian organisation who unfortunately did the dirty on us, if I'm honest, uh, which wasn't a good time. I fell seriously, seriously ill about seven years ago. I ended up in the QE hospital for and had five major operations. Unbeknown to me, they we paid them. The, we just moved into City Road, and it was just it was just like, what's going to happen? What's going? On? But thankfully, David and the people at the church said, "Paul, we don't want to lose you because what you're doing is fantastic." But what you need to do is get yourself well. So get yourself well. So I literally, we didn't start the centre there. We just, what we did, we just had a storehouse at the church and then the outreach team would come in, get what they needed and go out onto the streets because I needed about six months to get myself right again. You know, five major operations. It takes it out on you. Yeah. And so... So about eight years ago, we, we, we came into City Road and we just had the side room at the side and we had the utility room at the front and everything. But they were great to us. 
And then four years ago, uh, strange enough, I got woken up at three o'clock in the morning and felt God say to me, I'm going to do the whole back of City Road. Now, we didn't have any money and it was an empty shell. But you've been to the centre since, Stuart, and seen it. Yeah. I mean, that's a testament to itself. It, 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 you know, I've had people coming here and said, this is amazing. Mm. You know, it's an amazing centre. You know, we've got shower rooms, clothing bank, kitchen area. We do advert, advice. You know, we, it's, it's just grown and developed. It's, it's incredible, really. You know, I was, uh, even in the time when I first went to it, when I recently came back, yeah, so much more you've achieved so much there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, and to be honest, through the COVID thing, uh, you know, everybody, it, it was just that uncertainty for everybody, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. and it was just horrible for for loads and loads of people. You know, I'm not just talking about homeless people; I'm mm-hmm. talking about people in general. You know, we were having phone calls from families. We've got no food. Yeah, we've got we've got we had elderly people that were right next door to the church, basically, got no food in isolation, couldn't get out. Can and, you tell um, me about that? Because that 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 really shocked me when when yeah. you said about that. Tell us yeah. about because I think people don't realise the effect of the elderly in that situation. What that lockdown did? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I was a little bit naive to start with, if I'm honest, because I was just concentrating on the guys that we normally deal with. But then a, a lady came over to knock on the back door and sent him and says, do you have any spare food? And I said, yes, my love, why? She said, oh, there's an old gentleman in our block. And and unfortunately, the, the staff had been furloughed or been told to, to to isolate. You know, with all the thing that when it first kicked off, it was awful, wasn't it? Everything just shut down. Mm. And so this gentleman, 77 years of age, still, had had no food or drink for three days. Just just, just had nothing. And so I said, don't worry, I will, I will make sure that he gets some food in, you know, or, you know. So I said to him, if you come back in half an hour, you know, I'll have a food parcel ready for him. In, in the meantime, go and take him this tea and coffee and, and sugar and milk and get in the packet of biscuits, you know. Get that in him, make sure he's had that. So she went and made sure he was okay. Then she came back a few days later and said, Oh, by the way, there's about another nine or ten in here that are in the same boat. And it was just real eye opening. So mm. fortunately for us, because of the network I formed in the, in the city, you know, I said to people, Look, this is what we're doing at the moment. We're not doing the centre as such, but we're still doing food parcels and we're still doing what we can, if you can help in any way. Uh, and thankfully, we got loads of food coming in. And so for a couple of months, we were mainly looking after the old people next door and families in the community, mate. Mm-hmm. We found that because uh, as soon as lockdown happened, we just had to down tools. But it, it broke my heart, Paul, because... You know, yeah. we're both men of action, and we—I just felt like I had my hands cut off. But very quickly, some of our volunteers sort of rallied round, and they were doing other things like yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know? I think that's the beauty about about the whole thing of COVID. Mm. It's brought the great, the good in people out. We've seen the bad in people, mm. but there's been a tremendous amount of positive action taking place, people working together, 
neighbours knocking on people's doors, especially the elderly in the community, making sure they're okay. You know, I think it's really highlighted the uh, the, the need that's in our own doorstep. You know, and I, I hopefully, I don't, I hope we don't lose that again because, you know, I thought I thought it brought communities together a bit. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I I, I found that initially. And I think it's such a shame that it seemed to be that the whole, it was almost like a wartime spirit, wasn't it? That everyone came together and we're all in this together. And then unfortunately, yeah. a few incidents that happened that everything's, a lot of, not everything, some things become very divisive again. Yeah. You know, with, yeah. with different things going on. And you think, oh, come on, look. There's come a bigger on. picture here, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. There's a bigger picture, isn't there? You know what I mean? But the media don't help. Do. The media do not help. I'm sorry, but they don't. No. They so much throw much so much rubbish our way, and feed your minds with so much negativity. Mm. You know why don't we have a good news channel on on the TV? You know what I mean? Twenty four seven. Everybody feel a lot better, didn't they? Don't they? You yeah. know. Let's have some good news stories instead of all the crap that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always say this as if, you know, like, I find it hard enough to stay positive. The last thing I want is half an hour of the news. Because yeah. I give you 30 seconds at the end of a little nice story, but they've got 29 minutes. Yeah, you know, yeah. of absolute, yeah. Of absolute, you know, like, yeah. terrible stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's, and you can see how, and you can see how manipulated it's become as well. Yeah. It has, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's always the negative or, mm. you know, and, and how contrived it's becoming and now, and it's heartbreaking really because people, it's just treating people's minds with absolute rubbish. Mm. We know there's a virus out there. We know that's out there. But if people are sensible and do what they're asking us to do, we'll get through this. We will. Of course. You know? That's the thing. It's responsibility, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's just... People yeah. take responsibility, um, but then the thing is, if 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 um, if a government instills fear in us, which yeah. I suppose they had to do to keep us, you know, yeah. Yeah. Us yeah. Here, yeah. and if they do too good a job of that, we become a nation of agrophobics. So we do stuff, you know, but just just be careful, you know, just yeah. just take care. I mean. It was such a joy to come back to your place recently when we, yeah. you know, to see Jane and the team and you, and yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you really did. You know, I'm not just being uh, complimentary. You've really got that place organised and you, the support you give us is, is incredible. Well, it's a privilege, mate. It's an honour to have you along, to be honest. It's, you know, part of my remit is to network with other organisations and, and, you know, my my heart is to see these guys get get hope, you know, and just having something like an haircut mm. and a proper shave and somebody to talk to while they're having it done as well, and treating them like a human being, you know, it, it just it goes a long long way, mate. You know, it really does go a long long way. Like, like, and what gets me the gig? When's Jane coming back? When's the team coming back? You know what I mean? I mean, they miss them. You know, they miss the girls. They miss the team coming in. Yeah. Because they kept saying to me, when, when's Jane come? When are we going to have our haircuts again? And, and So there's, there's a bit of relationship and friendship and camaraderie going on. Do you know what I mean? I think that's so important, Stu. You know, that, that, that they see that there is, you know, that, that we're networking. 
Yeah. Because we're out working together. Do you know what I mean? And, and giving, you know, one of the guys, I'm going really, I'm to give you a good news story. Uh, to do it. One of the guys had his hair cut the last time he came in, went for a job interview three days later, got the job. Fantastic. He got the job. Fantastic. And he couldn't afford to have his hair cut. And that's one of the things he was desperate for. Do you mean? He just said, he said, you know, I can't afford to have my hair cut. They come in and says, I can go to this. I can go to this interview now, knowing that I look a bit, I look okay. You know what I mean, and, and decent. You know, and it, and it went with. It gave him a bit of a lift, to be honest. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, it, it lifted his spirits a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, absolutely, absolutely, mate. You know. Yeah. 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 And it's just so vital, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Little things go a long way. Now, what what you do. Um, is not a nine to five, <laughs> as I understand myself. You know, it's uh, you allocate a certain amount of time to do your stuff, but generally it's it falls out. Now, you told me once, I know you can't go into names and details, but you did tell me about a late night call you got once and you had to go. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, to go to the city centre. Yeah, that was an interesting night, mate, I can assure you. Uh, yeah. Where it was, I got this call and, and, and from the local PCSOs and they just said, this is long before any other teams were going out. So I'm going back about, it's probably about 12 years now. You know what I mean? And uh, anyway, I said to Jackie, I've got to go out. It was snowing, it was cold, it was, you know, I was tucked up at home. I thought, I'm not going to do anything. It's going to be a nice evening. No, 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 no. Half <laughs> 10, go out get to this certain point in town. I'm not joking to do it. It like a war zone. You know what I mean? They were kicking off and they were, you know, shouting and effing this and doing this and doing that. I thought, oh my goodness me. Anyway, one of the guys there is called Tiny. Now I've built up a really good relationship with Tiny. You've got to bear in mind, they called him Tiny because yeah. he was seven foot tall and he was built like a barn door, mate. You know what I mean? He was massive. Yeah, I'm not joking. He was huge. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he'd done he'd done like ten or twelve years in prison for manslaughter. I don't know. Anyway, you, you know, but he came at me with what looked like the end of a either a baseball bat or something. Now I thought, man, if he hits me with this, yeah, I'm a dead man. I'm not going back home to Jackie. I'm going home like to heaven. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh, my anyway, he came at me literally. And as he's about to swing at me to do it, he stopped in his tracks. As God is my witness, he just stopped in his tracks. And he ran off. And I thought, wow. Anyway, suddenly that day, I'd had loads of donations given to me. My car was full of blankets, I had chocolate biscuits, I had all kinds of things. So I managed to calm the whole situation down by talking to the guys. Because the biggest thing was, they didn't have anything to keep them warm. What happened? The council took all their bedding and everything. That's why they're getting all irate and everything you see. So anyway, about twenty minutes later, he came back, tiny, half an hour later. I want a word with you, he says. I thought, here we go. So what's the matter? He said, No, 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 not in front of everybody else. Over here, he said, over here. And I said, What's the matter? He said, Who were them two blokes behind you? I said, There's nobody with me, mate. He said, I'm telling you, Paul, as God is my witness, there were two people taller than taller than you, me, behind you. 
Now, I didn't understand it at the, at the time, uh, Stuart, but I honestly believe that God put angels to protect me that night. And he, and, and he, and to be honest, I formed an even better relationship with this guy afterwards mm. because, you know, got alongside him. You know, he was a, he was a handful, don't get me wrong, but it, there was a mutual respect between us and we could go and talk and have a chat and have a coffee. Unfortunately, he passed away not long afterwards, about six or seven weeks afterwards. Oh, that's a shame. But, yeah, but you know, it was just, you know, things like that just keep you going, keep you motivated, you know, because I know that he got himself indoors and he was getting himself sorted out and, and it's giving hope to them that haven't got hope and, and giving purpose to to what we do, really. And it's it's the misunderstanding sometimes of people's anger. Yes, um, yeah. You know, and a, a lot of the time, anger is a manifestation of fear, you know, that yeah. just yeah. scared. And I yeah. remember I was in Liverpool one time and there was this guy who was really hard to like. And yeah. I tried not to judge, but I must admit, I was thinking, you're really getting on my nerves, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when and, you being a, and you being a Londoner as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was so I've been at, to be honest, Paul, I wasn't being very Christian that afternoon. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know But I went outside at the end after we had this session because he disappeared at some point and he was standing outside. It was pouring of rain. He had only had a tracksuit on. He had no shoes and socks. And he's screaming at this woman, all I want is an effing pair of dry shoes. And I just sort of thought, my God, no wonder this man's angry. You know, you you see one side and then you hear that. Yeah. think... Whenever things have been so bad, when have we not had a dry pair of shoes? You know, um, yeah, yeah. And that—that you need to. Knit. This is why people need to know the story behind the anger. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there's always a story behind every emotion, isn't there? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's getting to that. It's getting to that root of it, isn't it, Stuart? Yeah. And and uh, when you get to the root of it. And, and they, they get that emotion out or they get that need met or whatever it is. It's amazing how, how the whole atmosphere changes around. Yeah. You know, uh, it's amazing, there, really. There was something else you told me once about you had to go on quite a long drive. And, I, you know, I know you can't say too much about that, but I was quite shocked by that when the guy was had been taken from the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is going back a while, mm. but he'd been picked up by a, a, a group of gypsies or, or press gang or whatever mm. uh, to go and do some work, done a full day's work or a couple of full days' work. I was just left abandoned, you know, right. near Reading, of all places, Oxford, sorry, Oxford, just, just off the motorway, do you know what I mean? And I got a phone call and I went all the way down and, and collected him and, you know, and it's just, it's just shocking how, how people can use other people for their own gain and stuff, you know. Recently, we've had a couple of incidents at the centre with young ladies that we've helped get out of domestic violence and all that kind of thing. You know, we're dealing with real people with real issues, mate, you know what I'm trying to say? And it's, it's, uh, and in this 
in this period of time at the moment, we're, we're hearing more and more of it, you know. It, it's just sad, really, that... Uh, and I feel sorry for the elderly right now, because they're the ones that really do need the support, I believe. And they're just putting shoved on the shelf and, you know, families can't even go and, go and visit them. Sorry, mate. I'll go off in a minute. <laughs> a few things going on here. I won't worry about it. Life gets in the way. Yeah, <laughs> It's part and parcel of the day, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Hello. We're not Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's not me the phone, by the way. <laughs> I hope it's not an embarrassing message when it comes on. Well, no, well, there we go. But, you know, um, the thing is, Paul, it, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial for people to be aware. This is what I wanted to set the podcast up because... I've been lucky enough to have some very well-known people, but there's other people like yourselves who are doing work that people don't always know about. No. And as you said, we need some we, we need some happy stories. We need some hopeful stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of the places we go to, all of, we've had this connection now with all of these across the UK, these centres. But many have yeah. closed and, and have not even reopened yet. Yeah. What's happening to the people? You know, this you know, it's crucial that the people like yourself are doing it. I mean, we we I mean, to be honest, we've had to put a lot of things in place and a lot of. You know, we can accommodate normally 50, 60 people to do it, but we've cut it down by half, to be honest. But what we've done as well, we do a takeaway service. So we don't literally say get lost. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? We are saying to them, look, we can only do so much at this time. I'm sorry that you can't come in because we're at our capacity. Please take this with you. Please, you know, do you need anything? Well, we'll serve them at the door. We want whatever we can to stomach, right? So what we're doing, we're still getting a lot of people in the community that are in need, but they generally need food parcels, so we'll deal with that at the door. And then yeah. the genuine sleepers, we'll get in and have a shower and, and a hot meal and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we've set it up where we're COVID safe. You know, we put all the sanitisation in place. People are wearing PPE. When they, you know, guys are coming in, sitting at the tables and stuff like that. But it, it's working. And, you know, I think the thing is, what got me is when when we reopened, two of the guys were so, like, thankful that we were back open because they had not seen anybody in weeks. You know what I mean? They're on, the front, they're on their own in a flat, in a bed sit. One lad only got one room, like, you know. And a little shower room at his side, and said, I, "I was going up the wall. I was literally going up the wall." Do you know what I mean? Uh, because I was, I was trying to come out. I was trying to do whatever I can. And then I saw you was back open, and I thought, oh, "I've got to get out." And he, he came over, and uh, he just welled up as he came in because he just thought, "Well, you know, I could talk to somebody at last." And it's just little things like that that just, you know, keeps you going. I think that's a crucial thing what you just mentioned there is is loneliness. It's something that yeah. people they see the the addictions and the, the, the needing food and clothes, but loneliness is a terrible thing in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. I think it's I think it's probably one of the biggest killers nowadays. Because mm. people, you know, and isn't it sad how our society has gone? You know, I was talking about that war kind of kindred spirit that we had earlier through COVID, everybody looking out for each other. And, uh, you know, 
as you said, to do it. We're slowly going back to where we were before, do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, let's not lose a sense of community. Let's not, let's, let's yeah. keep looking out for the lonely and the vulnerable and the elderly, you know. Yeah. If you know, if you know, got an elderly neighbor next door, just knock on the door, make sure they're okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hasn't got to be the big gesture, is it? The, the, no, the little, no, no, no. They might be fine, but the thing is, knock on the door and say, no, are you okay? Do you need anything? Mm. You know, that just might, and the chat at the gate and the doorway for, for 10, 15 minutes will, will make their day, won't it? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. These people are looking out for them. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, cool. like, I'm, I'm so grateful we've met. Um, I want everyone. I'm gonna when we when we go on. I'm gonna um, put on the links for the um, donations and whatever they can do. So I'll get all the links yeah. for the for the uh, centre. Yeah. And, um, it, the, the thing is, is is just keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, I'm doing my best, mate. Well, we're doing our best anyway. You know, I know. I've got a great team. Listen, yeah. you can't do this without your team, mate. You can't do this without your, your team no. behind you. And I just want to acknowledge the team as well because they, they've been brilliant, you know, through this time. Yeah. Uh, and and those that were working with me before, you know, some people have unfortunately gone on to other things. Yeah. But over the years, you can't do this work without your volunteers and people getting behind you. And and I just want to express my gratitude and thanks to all those people that do support us and, and get alongside us because, you know, you are helping us make a difference to others. Yeah. Well, God said, <laughs> God, well, it's been said, and I love this, God, God can move mountains, but it's best to bring a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> We need people like you with shovels, mate, because, you know, with all the best will in the world, yeah, we've yeah. got to get this stuff done, you know, and yeah. it's not just yeah. thinking it or saying it no. and doing it. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time. I know you're busy, man. Well, you know, it's just a privilege, mate. It's, it's an honour, you know. And it's really nice to get to know you as well, Stuart. You know what I mean? We're, we're building up a bit of a friendship with it. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. You know, you're always welcome, mate. The kettle will always be on, you know that. I know. First thing I get is <laughs> when I get there. So, uh, Paul, thanks a lot. And uh, I'll be back to see you very soon. You take care, Stuart. And uh, yes, look after you yourself, mate. Thank you. Take care now. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.